What up, everybody? We're back after a long, 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 long hiatus of the podcast back in the Laud times with Double O Nation, Edgar in the house, and Dennis. How we doing, fellas? How we doing? It's been a while. been quite a while but i'm doing great very happy to be back with you guys you've got uh you've got the nahara family uh lineage going on back-to-back episodes since the last one was with my uncle uh but no i'm good as as you guys are seeing me listener you don't know but i'm definitely decked out in all rangers gear because i'm never getting off the high that the rangers are the champions of the baseball world so um it's been a great sports year for me between theaters and the rangers specifically so long may it continue I thought it was great that throughout the uh, playoffs of the baseball uh, season that we had a lot of division there, a lot of quiet rivalry there, not a lot of shit talking uh, as far as the Rangers and the Astros that were going on there. It was very subtle. It was very light. So we kept it, we kept it respectful, but uh, congratulations to you guys, both of you guys from the DFW area. Um, But let's get, right into what we're here for tonight which is our beloved beloved Tigres who man it's quite the turn of events six months ago you know we were we obviously won the championship or you know half a season ago or season ago however you want to look at it we win the championship but leading up to it there was obviously a lot of turmoil with the coaching changes a lot of the style of play wasn't there Went from transitioning from Diego Coca to Chima, even with Siboldi, games were a little ugly, but we the team found a way to win. And now the energy and the vibe and even the the style of play is so much different, is so established that I even when we've lost games, I've never felt that we could lose a game. Um, I feel very confident in the team, and I sense so much swag and confidence from the team itself than I've having that I haven't seen in a very long time. And I'm talking like years. I'm talking probably going back to 2015 to 2017 era of how uh, Tigres was playing great with Tuca. So we'll start there, guys. Um, obviously, we're in the semis, going to face Pumas. But let's talk a little bit about the, about the quarterfinals and how we got here with the games against Puebla. Edgar, Initial thoughts, obviously, about advancing, and what did you think about our matchup against Puebla, or with Puebla, I'm sorry. So I did think that the first game would be a little bit easier for them, despite being an away game for us. Uh, I projected that the Tigres would win that. Obviously, that wasn't the case, the 2-2 to draw. Uh, positives to that game, Cordova was pretty good, uh, back to his Ligia form from last season, which was very great. Uh, we didn't have Andre Pierre Guignac for the first game, which I do think was a little bit of a hiccup there. I don't know that he would have won us that game, uh, but definitely you can always feel his absence on, on the field. And of course, in the second leg, uh, you can feel his presence without a doubt. Dennis, talk to me about that. Because, like, you know, on on the one hand, we're happy that Ivanez got the start because, you know, that means we're going to need him. Like we needed him last uh, season in the playoffs. He didn't score a lot of goals or maybe not even a goal, but his presence off the bench, his energy, his hard work, his, his, his rate, you know, to work defenders is very helpful. So getting the start, getting that confidence after he had 
six goals in regular season off the bench and obviously starting some games. Talk to me about him starting, getting that nod, though might have not been his best performance, and then going into the second game with Gignac coming back. I think it was a reflection of the entire team. I, I mentioned in our group thread that I kind of felt like that game, that first leg, was just going to be a lot of shaking off the rust because it had been like two and a half, three weeks since the last game that they played, like competitively, like against America. I know they had some scrimmages here and there, like at the Volcan, but I just felt like it was going to be one of those, like it's away from home, altitude, like first game in three weeks, like everybody from Ibanez down is just going to be, you know, a little bit rusty. And and he was a little bit, uh, but I thought that he was effective in in whatever he could be um, in the first leg. Um, but obviously going back home, which we, we don't lose at home or we haven't lost at home yet um, with Siboldi in charge and having APG back, it, it's just a different level. I, I think now getting like time on the training ground and now being like, okay, look, we played a game. We're back in the groove. We've kind of, you know, turned on the ignition as far as like our, our playoff style. Um, I think that was a big deal. And then, you know, Nico having a strong end of the regular season campaign, like and him carrying it over with, you know, one of the more incredible goals of the season so far, um, I thought it was really cool. And I think that he'll be, like you mentioned, super important off the bench. But I mean, having APG back, you know, just made a huge difference. And he's he's different, man. Like I know we talk about in baseball sometimes, like we talk about like Jeter being Mr. October, like using a Rangers analogy. That's what we were calling Corey Seager. But we all know Gignac is Mr. Ligia. Like you can never, ever, ever discount the guy this time of year or in May. Like this is just his time where he figures it out and he turns supernova. And there's not much you can do to stop that. You just kind of have to try to limit other things, I guess, if you're an opposition team. But it's, I mean, ever since he's been here, it's like, this is what you get and he's going to come through. Yeah. And it's his presence alone just, you know, changes the mentality of the opponent. And I think that that was very clear going from the first game into the second leg. Um, the team seemed not as high rate, high intensity, uh, you know, even, you know, the subs that were made by Siboldi, obviously Fulgencio coming in, scoring that goal off that beautiful pass by Carioca in that first leg, changed it, but the team still didn't look great. And I was afraid of that. I think that the long pause affected them a little bit um, in that game, but going back into the second game with Gignac's present, presence and, you know, knowing that they had to get a positive result at home changed the entire scenario and mentality for the game because we came out swinging from the get-go. Um, Gignac obviously converting on a penalty kick, followed by a, by a nice free kick, which I think the, the keeper collaborated a little bit. I think the keeper could have done a little bit more, but... Hey, we're not complaining. Yeah, nonetheless, it was a great goal. Um, add another one to his count of uh, free kicks. And then Nico Ibanez, uh breakthrough of, of, of a goal at El Volcan and in general with Tigres. I think that that's obviously his best goal yet. And that's probably up there as the top five for me as far as the goals I've ever seen of Tigres um, being scored. It's up there yeah. with... It's up there with Gignac's Chilena and Walter Gaetan's midfield goal. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty far out. I mean, I was gonna say like Puskas worthy, 
um, had a, a certain Manchester United player not done the same thing, but like probably a couple of times better uh, last week, but it was still fantastic. And I hope that that's the sort of thing that like really like gets him back to his uh, Pachuca and, and San Luis like form, you know, um, he's already kind of been like getting towards that this season. Um, and especially having to fill in for APG because injuries and suspensions. But now I think this is that's that's the kind of moment where it's like, okay, now he can really like shine, regardless of whether or not he starts, because I think his, his confidence will be super important the rest of the way as long as he's here. And there was something key there that you know I want to ask you, Edgar, because I thought about you guys in that moment after you know, obviously the highlight is the Chilena, how high he gets you know, the ability to get up there in the air and score, but the assist. So long we asked for, you know, a different sort of competition there for Aquino. You know, we expected Chuy Garza there. You know, we were asking for Chuy Garza. We were wondering why Loroña, and then we saw why Loroña wasn't playing because not in good form, a lot of mistakes here and there. Edgar, talk to me about what you saw in that moment when Loroña got that assist and has been getting more minutes consistently over the last month or so. Honestly, it took me back to that, um, that Olympic squad where he got his recognition for the first time where he essentially built his name. I do not think he's had such a phenomenal game since then. That was quite a few years ago. And that was just a great thing to see. I mean, I did talk about how I didn't really expect him to be, considered for this game just because he's been gone for so long uh and even a couple fans forgot he was part of the team uh just you know uh through social media wondering who that was and why they'd never heard of him i and it makes you wonder what happened to chuy garza man because you know he was uh, you know he was a starter with coca got the minutes with uh piojo and then eventually started fading out went to the national team a couple of times but even then got uh, didn't get selected again for the U squad. So now we've seen Loroña, which Loroña has gotten minutes with Siboldi at Cholos. You mentioned part of the Olympic squad, another young player um, who Tigre has added recently who can contribute in the long run. And you love to see it. I mean, we, we love to see that he's finally getting some minutes, more trust from Siboldi, and he's responding on the field. You know, maybe prior to this game not with an assist but definitely you know making precise tackles or coverages or mar and marking in the back so that's another thing to highlight off that game as well as the performance that Linus also had which you know I'm convinced now he's definitely a contributor to this team it took me a while to actually accept that but I think El Factor might not be the factor that we all expected as far as having the goals and the assists but the work rate that he has and has developed under Siboldi, I think, has increased his form as well as his talent level because now he's added another facet of style to his game, which is marking a lot better and, you know, being able to defend down that left flank. So anybody else that stood out to you, Dennis, uh, in, that, in this past game against Puebla? Obviously a well-rounded performance by the whole squad. Another shutout by Noel. Yeah, I mean, I thought Gori was fantastic over both legs, but really on Sunday, I thought he was very excellent. I think, I mean, we've all known his, like, ability to 
you know, be just a workhorse in midfield. And it's kind of been a little bit of a clunky fit with Carioca. Not like bad, but it's just like it's taken a while. And I think now we're starting to see like the real benefit of it. It helps when you're not playing him as a right winger like he was playing during uh, the Chima days and during a little bit of the Coca days too. But now that he's like, you know, in this, you know, position kind of back with Carioca and like a double pivot sort of thing. And then he has the freedom to move up next to Sebastian when necessary. You're starting to see it now. You're starting to see like Santos Gori again. And that's that's good. That's good for all of us, right? So I think he gets a shout. And Samir, bro, like Samir's, I think he's back, honestly. Like maybe not all the way, but he's he's back to like his old like, you know, steady presence like in the back. Him and Pizarro have been really solid together. Um, and again, it's like, it's almost like an inverse of, uh, last season where like he gets hurt, Reyes comes in and does an excellent job. And now Reyes gets hurt, like towards the back end of this season, Samir has to step in and Samir has been excellent. And, and then you, you don't even wonder like, when does Reyes even come back into this team, you know, because of how solid Samir has been. So those would be like my two outside of the obvious of the attackers and all, and Rayful, Rayful has been great. Um, I thought he was excellent, obviously, in the first leg, coming in and scoring and, and equalizing. And then, you know, having to fill in last second with Luis being out um, is big. And I think he's going to be important um, going into this series, like, in that way. I, I would imagine he starts. Um, and then having the luxury of OCL will be nice coming off the bench. So those two, and then Rayful gets a tiny shout, too. Uh, if I was Woods, I'd be, you know, ah, all over it. But I'm not Woods, so. Which in the last game during the season against Pumas, Osiel Herrera scores so off the bench. So we're hoping for that to occur again. Off of Rayful assist too, if you remember. Absolutely correct. I was going to mention that um, I was having a conversation with my uncle about this while we were watching the game this past Sunday. Um, I've obviously criticized Quinones over the years, but I've also learned to accept that he does some things that a lot of our wingers don't do. And you got to take, you know, the good with the bad with him. But one thing that we were, we kind of got to a conclusion about him was that Tigres is very predictable when he plays um, or he starts, you know, he's because, you know, you're going to throw him the ball and you're going to, he's going to go one-on-one. He's going to get, some crosses in, you know, realistically, one out of four or five crosses is going to be a, a good cross. Um, he's going to lose the ball. He's going to make a bad decision. He's going to make a great decision um, at times. But the team is a little bit more predictable, and a lot of teams expect that, or the all the def, def, defense and the opponents that they face expect that already, that Quinones or what he's going to do. So I think that with him out of the lineup and I was expecting him to be a, a, a sub because I still think that he can still contribute at least this season. He's one of my candidates to exit um, at the uh, end of the season, but we'll get into that at another ep- episode of the podcast. But what do you guys think about that? Um, do you guys agree with that sort of a uh, point of view uh, that I'm bringing up? Or do you guys think that totally I'm, I'm losing it? I mean, I would say he is definitely a predictable player. Uh, I mean, we've just come to realize 
one good game out of every seven, eight. And like you mentioned, for every cross, one out of five is decent. Uh, so yeah, having Lainez, Ociel, whoever uh, on the wing definitely does bring something fresh. I do think, uh, yeah, his time at Tigres is closer to the end now. I don't know about him leaving in the transfer window, but like you said, that's a whole different subject. I do think he still has stuff that he could provide to the team, but uh, his absence wasn't really missed, I would say. And the other guys, too, just have a little bit more like tactical flexibility as far as, you know, being able to play better centrally. Because I don't think Luis plays well centrally at all when, when he's asked to or when he's had to. Where the Linus can, OCL can, and Rayful definitely can. Rayful has shown that this season that like when he's like kind of like behind the striker, when he's playing as more of a number 10 as opposed to like out on the wing, he's able to be super, super productive. Like a lot of his assists have come from playing more centrally. And Luis just doesn't do that, you know? And he also isn't as fast as he used to be anymore. So I get what you're saying. Um, and, and, and I think the luxury of, of having the guys that we have now and, and, Shout out Culebro for, you know, having the eye for this and realizing this now is that you can kind of start to phase it out um, with him and be able to bring these younger guys on who are hungrier, who need more experience, who need the game time, who probably cost a little less on the wage book, which is also a nice thing. And uh, and you could probably, I don't know how long Lisa's contract like runs for much longer, but I think you could be able to get somebody to, you know, snatch him for a decent price if he still has like a year or two left because I think he still adds value um, to our team and to probably lots of other teams, you know. It's just that I think now we have a little bit of a a, a wealth of youth that we could throw in there and, you know, kind of switch things up and not be as predictable like you were saying. Yeah, he falls into that category of like where Diente was for me. I think that it's a good time to sell, you know, because he – Gave what he more, more so than Dienten did in my opinion, but um, he's still very marketable for the league. So um, yeah, just wanted to share that. I think that you know it sucks that he's out because I think that like again he could contribute. He could contribute off the bench if the game was a little tight. You wanted some individuality, you know, make something happen if the game was you know sort of not where you wanted to, or at least where Siboli wanted to and or wants it. But he's out, um, so it looks like Fulkensu is going to get the start um, against Pumas. And obviously we're playing at 8 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, on Thursday and then second leg on Sunday. What do you guys think about the the days that we get to play? Because I get that America gets first choice and obviously the, you know, they get the preference for being the number one seed. But I was hoping that Tigres and Pumas got played on a Wednesday and a Saturday, just like traditionally at Volcan. I was surprised that we even got Thursday, Sunday in the last round, especially coming off the break and considering that America and Rayados had to wait on the play in, you know, to figure itself out. So I, I was honestly surprised that it ended up Thursday, Sunday to begin with and that it's happening again. It's also like, I mean, it's the same amount of rest, which is nice. We're not losing a day if it was Wednesday, Saturday, but it's just odd, you know, um, like you said, I'm fine with it. I mean, I, 
if we play the final, it'll be the same amount of rest too, you know? So like next Thursday, next Sunday would be, if we get there, we'll play those games. So I don't think it matters that much, you know, like an extra day would be nice, but I think this team, you know, thrives off of rhythm as you can, as we saw on the first leg, like not having that rhythm over the last few weeks, like, you know, you could see in the first half and part of the second half. So I think the team needs consistency as far as scheduling goes. So I'm not not too upset about it, but it's interesting. You're on mute. Any thoughts on that, Edgar? <laughs> Definitely weird, like you guys mentioned. I mean, I thought we would get the Wednesday-Saturday schedule. Uh, it's not a big deal, I would say. Just, I mean, the passion of the Volcan doesn't matter what day it is. doesn't matter if it's a Monday night or Tuesday night. It's always there, which is, that that's a good thing, but... I actually would be more concerned if we um, closed away, but thankfully we finished top four, so, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Also, by the way, going back to the least bit, I totally forgot. You you let him go? Another foreign spot open. Welcome, Brunetta and Wonga. Come on now. Come on now. Don't be, don't don't speak it into existence too much. Well, that's actually, please I'm, actually please speak into existence. That's why that's why I'm willing to let him go. I think that you can sell him to Toluca. I think you can sell him to back to Pumas. Pumas. You can sell him to Mazatlan, Cholos. You can sell him to a lot of teams who are on the Cruz eight through fourteenth, you know, aspect of the table. And he can contribute and make them, you know, cross over to the winning side. And I think that allows you to, you know, bring in both players, which would make it really, really interesting because um, you would bring so much depth up front. And then you have someone coming in that's Mexican, uh, like uh, Juan Sanchez Purata, to come add depth in the back, which I think would now could even compete for a starting position. So, uh, that's interesting, but we're not there yet. We're still in uh, the Liguilla. We got a championship to win. I think the the last thing I want to ask, you know, before we kind of get into the expectations of this game against Pumas, how do you guys feel, like, in terms of where the team is at now compared to when, like, Siboldi was making this magical run with the team during the Liguilla? Um, Edgar, why don't you share your thoughts, buddy? Uh, so, you know, if this team could manage to lift the trophy uh, essentially at one of their worst points within the past couple of years, that's how Siboldi picked up the squad. Uh, now that there's more structure, now that they're familiar with his style, now that a lot of time has passed and it's just more experience in the yes, I think this team is definitely destined to win their first bicampeonato under Siboldi and win their history. Dennis? I think the biggest thing that I've seen improve in the, what, seven, eight months that Siboldi was, because when did it get higher? Was it March, April, whenever that happened? It was like April, right? March, end of March, maybe April. Okay. The mentality is just so different. Like, mentality monsters type of thing. Where, like, when you think about, like, big teams in Europe, for example, like Madrid, in Champions League, City right now, Liverpool in the last few years, Arsenal even right now, for example, because they've been really, really good. On a tear. 
never say die mentality. There's never like a, there's never a moment where you think that they're not, that your team's out of it, you know, when everybody's there, when everything's, you know, in the right place. I've seen that improve a lot this season, you know, um, now it's not pretty all the time per se, but there's a, a different level of like level headedness with the team that I haven't seen in a long time. And it just, I go into every game, I watch every game and I'm like, we have a chance every single time. And, and I don't feel like nothing can really like sway us. I think about like the Pumas game or not the Pumas game, the San, not Santos, Leon, sorry. And the CONCACAF semifinals uh, back in the spring. That was like the last time you saw this team like have like big emotional, like sort of like breakdown type moments, you know, because of how poorly refereed the game was and the frustration. You haven't really seen that since then. Even in League's Cup, it was kind of like, eh, whatever. You haven't seen that in this team since then. I think he's kind of drilled into the heads of every player of like, we're not going to do that and we're going to try to, you know, stay cool and keep our minds right to make sure we have a chance every passing second. And I think that's so important for this time of year, especially because, you know, league EAS are absolutely crazy. There's always going to be something that doesn't go how you think it goes. And that's what makes it fun. So I think that sort of thing will be a big deal, especially going against a, a Pumas team that's pretty chaotic. And we're familiar with, because we're playing a coach that we're we're familiar with. We have beaten. We know how he plays. You know, more so Nahuel, Guido, Carioca, Gignac knows how, they, how he plays. Um, all right, throwing Aquino in the mix in there. And, you know, I feel like just the team emotionally has grown so much. And I think that the most impressive thing is the fact that Sivoldi still finds a way to inject even more firepower into these guys to go seek that bicampeonato. And, you know, I was talking to your uncle yesterday, Dennis. Um, he texted me about the interview that I had in Monterrey with Solo Tigres. And we were talking about the game and whatnot. And, you know, I was telling him that, like, Tigres, for everything that we've accomplished over the last, you know, 13 or 14 years or so, starting from 2010, um, this would be the perfect end to the dynasty, you know, and it's so funny to continue to say this, these type of comments or make these type of comments because a year ago it was like, you got to get one with like, in my head, it was like, you got to get one with like Piojo or like, you know, there's still a window of like two more championships possibly when Piojo arrived and then Diego Coca arrived in the way that they were playing. And it's like these guys, you know, being not, calling them old, but, you know, in a stage of like when most soccer players start to exit out and start losing that essence of like winning, especially when they've won so much, we're here again at a possible scenario, scenario of like advancing to another final and going off of a championship. So getting that back to back would completely shut off all critics, I believe, as far as what, the media tends to lean towards, especially with, you know, the whole things that we always talk about, Equipo Grande and all that sort, the comparisons with Cardoso and all the top players that Gignac always gets thrown into. I think that accomplishing that completely seals the deal that Tigres is, is 
like I mentioned in that podcast, is here to stay. Like it's it's not going anywhere. The team it has done every single thing that you you would require of a winning franchise to do, and that's build players, grow up with winning players, and win multiple championships, establish that dynasty, and going back to back is the last thing on the checklist. And another conca, but that's another story for another day. I mean, yeah, that would even that would be the cherry on the perfect ending, but I, I that that that's tough. But I think bringing a brunetta and a buonga makes that a lot easier. Especially buonga, let him let him win his championship this weekend against Columbus in MLS Cup. Then you bring him over, we we get conca, then he becomes the new Yak. Dude, and the thing is, like I told my uncle, LAFC can't keep him. You he. No. They, they can't they they can't keep him because they they gotta lock into him like long term and big time money, which uh, doesn't allow them to possibly bring bring uh, more European players for the in the future. So they ain't gonna do it. They also uh, like to sell. They also like to sell a lot. Like they they're not afraid to let their big guys go. Like you know, they had one of their defenders go to Rangers this year. You know, yeah, guys like that. Scenarios like that. Rossi going to Turkey, you know. But going into the Pumas game, Edgar, what are some things that either concern you, um, you are comfortable with, with the team? What are some things you're going to be looking for in this first leg that we play at Estadio Olimpico on Thursday? So the first thing that it's not, not really something that's concerning me, but an observation that I've made, it's kind of hilarious. Um, all of a sudden, all of the discourse that's gone out this week of all of a sudden Pumas is a very big club. Top four, never left the top four. I find that hilarious and it's been humoring me all week. Now, I will say this. Uh, Pumas is a team that I respect without a doubt. Very historic team. I don't think you can argue that. Um, Hugo Sanchez and we could go on about their history, but that's not what this podcast is about. Um, but yeah, I think that they are in a very good position this season. I do think that it's not going to be an easy game, uh, without a doubt, but it is a coach that a lot of our players are familiar with. Uh, we do get to play them on a very special date. Well, Turco specifically, not Pumas. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I think our only major obstacle might be Chino Huerta. But with Samir in good form and Awel in phenomenal form, it shouldn't be too much of a concern. And that's Aquino on him. I think Aquino is going to step up to the plate. Aquino ten, tends to uh, shut off critics, critics as well in big-time moments. So I think he'll lock him in. I don't think he uh, – or keep him out of danger at least. I, I, I mean, I like him, but I don't think he's, you know – a god of soccer, or at least the Mexican league. But um, Dennis, any uh, any additional thoughts to add into uh, going into the first leg of the Pumas game? Yeah, I mean, like I like I mentioned just now, like just controlling their chaos. They're very very chaotic. Chino being like the, you know, the driving force of that. But one thing that we can't do, and I know that we won't because it's a Gia, especially, but like. Going back to when we played them late August, 
just lazy from the get-go, like very lackadaisical, like very just kind of nonchalant and how we played until, you know, OCL and uh, and Rayful came on at the end. Can't do that again, obviously, but I don't expect that to be a thing because, you know, it's this time of year. It's not middle of the season, fresh off Leagues Cup. Like, I totally expect that sort of mentality, like I just mentioned, to, you know, take care of itself and for um, for the guys to dominate, especially with Andre back too, because Nico played that game and that was, I think, Nico's worst game of the season was against Pumas. He was literally invisible. And also the system was a little bit different because there was a couple other key guys out. I think they, I think we ran like a four three three as opposed to the four two three one. Like Sebastian having to go on the left wing. There was just a lot of stuff that was just formationally different about that game. And I don't expect that with everybody healthy to be the same, even with Rafael having to be in there with uh, Luis out. I totally expect things to be kind of how we want to dictate it. Um, I know we're going to probably talk about predictions later, but I just I just want to draw, you know, because it's a tough thing. And you know that crowd at Olympico is going to be up for it because they always are against Tigres. Like, they, they hate Tigres now. They hate it. They hate us su- super bad. And it's like, you know, the history, you know, 2015, uh, the, the final there, like the fact that we're, you know, on their territory as far as like being grandes and all that, like they don't like that and they're going to be amped up. So I expect the energy and the environment to be really, really awesome on Thursday. So just got to hope that you can adjust to that and not let that sway you, which I think the guys will do well. So does, I mean, I, I think both of you guys make great, uh, comments about it. So I think the best case scenario, and I think we all can agree, is coming back with a draw, whether that's 0 0, 1 1, 2 2, whatever the case might be. If we come back with a win, that's fantastic, which I think it's very possible. Uh, so my next question is Does Gignac get the 200 goal in the first leg or the second leg? Please get it in the second leg. Do it at home. <laughs> Have the goal come from somebody else on Thursday, like Sebastian or, I don't know, another Carioca banger from outside the box would be great. Yeah, definitely more special if it happens at home. Um, Yeah, it might cause some anger if it happens away from home. <laughs> Bro, but I was going to say, like, that stadium has witnessed Tigres take two championships in the 70s and 2015. It's witnessed Gignac break the record of Tomas Boy's all-time leading uh, score for the club. So one more wouldn't wouldn't hurt. One more big moment for Tigres wouldn't hurt. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Fair enough. Third home away from home. Yeah, seriously, third home away from home. But I think I, I think the the playbook uh, calls for for the two hundred goal to be at, at home. Um, one of the things that you know, and I hope this doesn't happen, but you know, it was talked about on. Not sure if this is new, but it, it was all over my feed uh, when I woke up this morning. It's the new, um, or I guess new for me, the table of discussion, the the football picante version of Azteca Deportes, which I thought was great. Uh, I watched most of it today, uh, where they have Luis Garcia, Martinoli, uh, David Medrano, uh, Sage, and Carlos uh, Guerrero, who goes by Warrior. Um, they always talk great things about us. Uh, they give they praise us a lot more, I think, than do the it does, which owns the rights to our games. Um, and obviously a lot better than Multimedios down in Monterrey. 
So I've always wanted that, but I think that the brand doesn't make as much money or doesn't get that exposure if they go there. But they were talking wonderful things about us. Um, but I would lean into what I was saying about I don't want this to happen. One of the things that they mentioned is that, and you kind of sort of touched on it, Dennis, was this team knows how to suffer. So I think that even if Pumas comes at them um, with high intensity, pressuring them and try to take it to Tigres and up their throat within the first 20, 30 minutes that uh, the players expect for it to happen. And that's what they were saying, that they know how to combat those scenarios. So I think that if, you know, Tigres is able, like I said, to come back with a draw and even a small 1-0 victory uh, or lead just by goal, that would be fantastic to head back into Volcan and close it out. But I do think that the first leg is very important and will dictate how the rest of the, you know, the series goes. Agreed. So, predictions, fellas. What are we thinking, Edgar? Oof, one-to-one draw, first leg. Second leg, either a 2-0 or a 3-0. Oof, I like that. Give me give me one one on the road. I'll I'll do I'll do a Sebastian goal on Thursday. I'll, I'll be down for that. Probably Chino gets the the Pumas goal. And then I'll say Man, they like to score. Pumas likes to score. I'll say three one on uh on Sunday. APG will get two hundred, maybe two oh one. And I don't know where the other two will come from. I'm going one one as well in the first leg, and I'm going a lot more conservative. I'm going a two zero victory uh, at home, and I think that Jinyan gets his uh, two hundred goal at Pumas Stadium. Fair. I think it's going to be a tight game, and he gets it either via penalty or in a very uh, not very efficient, well played build up. Um. Anything else to add, guys, as far as the men's team? Uh, no. I mean, you've already talked about potential incomings, and we'll I'm sure we'll touch on that after the season's over, but I know that's already got me pretty excited. So Yeah, I mean the only reason I brought it up is because it's been talked about quite a bit now. Um, and even today, uh Tudena has a new show. It's called The Insiders. And, you know, all the guys that cover the teams, which is pretty interesting that it's not really all the teams. It's like the important teams. And Vladimir was on there. And he did like, a, you know, a live on the show, on the Insider show. And he talked about Bruneta being the target and then Buanga being the second target. So it's either one or the others coming to, to Tigres and, a, and another player. But he didn't mention the position for the other player which would make sense that it's a defender of some sort. But um, I think that Tigres has a lot of business to take care of. And I think that we're in a good position to, like we mentioned and we talked about, to get that bicampeonato. Um, so impressive that the team's still here, still being an important aspect to the league. Gignac turning 38 today, birthday boy, with along with Samir, um, you know, wishing them the, the best today on their day. And hopefully uh, – they get a, a great present and moving on to the next round, which would be the final and expecting the winner out of uh, America or San Luis. San Luis, I need you to do miraculous things. Yeah, it'd be great if Cristiano Dom would, you know, do some cool stuff. That would be fun to see them in the final. Which, yeah. 
that was the game that I went to in Monterrey for the first time in 24 years, and they, they played well. They played they played pretty well. They kicked out Rayados, and their style of play is very it, it's it's good. Like it's good good to see how um, they're not scared to push up, and you can tell they get worked by that coach in terms of like build up out of the back. Um, I thought they struggled a little bit against them. I thought they should have won that game, um, but Dieter Villalpando scored a banger from way outside the box. So I think that he, they could surprise America. America has surprisingly hit the the lowest uh, form of, you know, probably the last two seasons, which pretty incredible. Last season, they were great. This season, they have been excellent. And then the, the series against Leon was eh. And then, you know, who knows what they could get out of San Luis. They're fast, man. They got pace everywhere. Yeah. So um wanna quickly just you know, I know it's been a while now, but congratulate Las Amazonas on their just championship. A week. Just a week ago. Yeah. Week ago I, yesterday. Man, but I feel like it gets, you know, not no disrespect uh in the in the way that I probably presented, but I feel like, you know, the men's, you know, being in the in the Liguilla and having that performance, it kind of just like it seems like it was a long time ago. But you're right. It was only a week ago, but it was awesome. They did heck of a job at uh, Estadio Azteca coming out with a 3-0 victory and then winning the title at home with a 0-0 tie. So uh, any thoughts on the season, guys, uh, quickly on what, you know, especially you, Edgar, I want to hear your thoughts because I know you, uh, you know, have mentioned several times as far as the coaching um, where it started, where it got, you know, where it was in the middle of the season, how we ended, and then eventually making a run to win the championship with Milagros Martinez. What was uh, your thoughts after winning that championship? So day one, I was one of the very few people in her corner advocating for her joining the team. Mid-season, I was walking around with a bag over my head. It's like, I could not tell you what was going on in her brain. I'm very glad, and I think the team is very fortunate that somewhere along the lines, uh, she did start to correct some of her mistakes. Um, I don't know if she is still the right person to be coaching this team. This was not a perfect season by any means. Um, but I did know that she was one of the only available coaches who could pull this off. Uh, overall, I'm Happy with the end result, but there definitely still needs to be a lot of fine-tuning for next season if they want to be a more competitive team, which is really interesting for me to say because they finished first in the league, they won the championship title, but this team is not convincing. I was going to say that. Dennis, what do you think about that? Have we just gotten to a point that we just expect them to like just dominate the league in all aspects that you know most fans are happy, but yet... Like Edgar put it, maybe not convinced with the coaching, with the the way that they ended or how they won the final. Because even that 3-0 victory, you know, America had so many chances. America, to me, displayed the more um, cooler, more beautiful soccer in terms of field play. But I think that the Amazonas showed the resilience of championship pedigree like the men have done also over the last few years, the experience the way to, you know, play in those big time moments. And I think that the biggest change that, you know, especially that you mentioned Edgar, her making changes was bringing Suli Mercado into the lineup. I think that, you know, she's our, you know, men's Carioca 
on the women's team. And so I think that she controlled a lot of the pace of that game, which allowed the team to be a lot more comfortable with the chances that they were created and have possession in that first leg. So Dennis, where are we at as a fan base with this, you know, feminine team, because the expectations are going to continue to rise. We won our sixth championship uh, to the two championships that the rest of the, of the teams have in America, uh, Rayadas and Chivas. Yeah, I mean, Pachuca maybe. I know it's been. It's no. it's weird to call it a trying season when you just you know won the whole thing, but it has been a trying season in a lot of ways, in part because at least from my perspective, and I know it's kind of been mentioned maybe in different ways in our group thread, but it kind of feels like Mila just kind of relied on the individual brilliance as opposed to like the actual system in a lot of ways, and I think the Ligia she was like, okay, let me actually start you know coaching a little bit and like you mentioned that that change uh in midfield definitely you know made a big difference as opposed to like just hoping that Ovalle and Mari Carmen you know bail you out not bail you out but like that they do their thing and you you know like you don't want to be predictable in that way you don't want to be like stagnant in that way there's a a little bit of a roster you know, imbalance currently at the moment. And I'm sure that will change um, in some ways. You know, I mean, I feel bad for all the foreigners that we brought in because, like, they literally didn't play, like, uh, you know, Cheetak from Australia. She, like, she did not play, like, at all, which, like, she's she was on the World Cup team this summer. Like, she's really good. And it's like, how is she not fitting into this team? And, like, where's the rotation at? Lack of rotation, too, I don't think was super great um, to see either. I, I would like to see... And I say that about Siboldi sometimes too, but also I think it's more of a, you kind of have to in some ways with the men's team because of, you know, guys like Loronia and Ordonez and Chewy who are somewhat inconsistent. We're like, we have cracked players on the women's side. We have world-class players, like girls who were on World Cup rosters who have been proven in our league for a long time. And she like played the same 11 and just stuck to the guns like the whole time. An all yeah. Mexican eleven, by the way. Yeah, 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 which is great, which is awesome. Like, sign me up for that all the time. But it's like, you've got to, you've got to preserve their legs. You've got to, you know, try to bring in different, different dynamics. People. Yeah, just different. see what see what works, you know. And it just felt like she she just wanted to do one thing all the time. And I and I know that there was a lot of frustration, like coming from you, like Edgar and Lou, especially. I know Lou is like very like, even if she was the final, like I want her like, bro, he was very pro Mila at the beginning. And then I I saw him, I was like, whoa, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, He did did give her some, uh, you know, he praised her, uh, since he was, he was at the final and, uh, he did praise her and he, he said he understood, you know, he mentioned that in the group that why, you know, she made some decisions and I, Truly agree. I think that she relied too much on in, in individuality uh, to, you know, pull her out of tough situations. And I think they did obviously win in the championship, but I think it's, you know, like most, you know, teams and, and, and big time teams, you have to transition some players out. And I think that Tigres Femenile is finally at that point where some of the girls have given so much to the team, but I think it's time to transition them out, you know, and I'm speaking like, Nancy Antonio, Ferelizondo. Uh, I mean, you got Alison Gonzalez coming back. So you got someone coming, you know, I think Alexia Villanueva didn't really get a shot. But if you have someone like Alison Gonzalez coming back, so it kind of like, why would you keep her? 
Felizondo has been now back-to-back coaches where she hasn't played very much. I mean, I can't even remember the last time she played at, or more than like 50 minutes per season over the last year, year and a half. So I think it's finally time to make some adjustments with the with the squad. I think it's time to bring in a goalkeeper to compete against Ceci Santiago, who's actually going to challenge her. Um, I think that the fullback positions with Hanna, uh, Nati Villarreal, Anika, and then Bianca Sierra coming back are well covered. I think that that's probably our our forte. Um, obviously, adding La Muralla and Greta and Ferral. Um, but I think that it's time to really, you know, phase out some of these uh, players who have given us everything, you know. So not sure, Edgar, um, if you have any uh, possible transfers as far as like who you like uh, possibly exit the team, some positions that you'd like to see, you know, brought in. As far as departures from the team, I do think in the selection of these foreigners. They are world-class talents, but if you're not going to use them, cut them free, all of them. Uh, the only one that I was actually very discontent with was um, Evelyn, the yeah. Swedish player, who's our number 10 and does not play as someone who is worthy of wearing that jersey, especially a uh, successor to me official. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she just can't adapt to the league or if that was just a horrible signing altogether, but... That is first on my list. And as far as someone who really deserves an opportunity for next season, uh, Mariangela Medina, our Hope third. Yeah. yeah. Who's now getting opportunities with the U23 women's team, I believe, or U20. And she's like, what, 17, 18 years old, I think? And she's tall as heck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's, I believe. She must be like 6'1, six, 6'2. Six, she's no? a giant, dude. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see her next to Soltendo. That would really humor me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh man. That's great. Yeah, I think I think we got the good thing, man, it's like with everything that you know we've been accustomed also on the men's side is like for the most part, we have successful seasons. So it's it's better to build off those that success and you it's easier to make corrections and build and con- continue to improve. So um positive positives all around, obviously. Shout out to them for winning the championship and most importantly, like putting these stupid arguments to an end where, you know, especially the America fans on the women's side think that, you know, it's even worthy to be in the same conversation as Las Amazonas. I think they they eat at a different table. They, they just it's just not the same. I think that the what they've done over the last six and a half years has been an amazing, amazing run. And it's not it's not going to end yet. No, not anytime soon. Anika Rodriguez, please marry me. Anyways, um, <laughs> let me bring something up that involves all the teams. Quick thoughts on this the new stadium deal falling through because that happened <laughs> out of nowhere. Go ahead, Edgar, because I got some thoughts about that. <laughs> so for me, um, I mean, my hopes were never really all the way up just because... I feel like this discourse has been going on since uh, 2015, I think, was when all this started. Uh, So, yeah, my hopes weren't really that high with it. Um, After I got to visit the Universidad of the season, I definitely we need a new stadium. I really don't have a preference as to remodel or start from scrap, but something needs to be done. So if Semex could come through, which is the more realistic option, 
even if it takes five or ten years, but if they could just handle that for us, I would really appreciate it. Where did you sit out of curiosity when you went? Uh, Preferente Norte, I think. Okay, so I we we had the same experience. I sat Preferente Sur. How are your knees? A little stiff, actually. A little bit <laughs> stiff. Bro, I was literally, like, I've, I've never been so low to the ground at, at a seat where I, you know, I'm a, I have big shoulders, so, like, you know, I, I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, man, I'm so low to the ground. Like, I, like, I'm leaning in to, you know, pay close attention to the game, and I'm like, I had a great time. It was it was wonderful. It had been 24 years since I'd gone to Monterrey, to, to the stadium, obviously, and the atmosphere is is like none other. Um, the fact that they played at five o'clock was also very, um, yeah, strange because the last time that I, you know, that I was in Monterrey 24 years ago, they always played at five o'clock. So very cool that on my first homecoming, uh, they got to play at five, but I would have preferred the night game, especially after seeing how the night game was um, to end the season against America. And then, you know, this second leg against Puebla, you know, the atmosphere is just a lot more intense, it seems like, when it's darker. Um, so, nonetheless, experience was amazing. Everything was really cool. But I think no matter how you spin it, um, I get the nostalgic. I get the, uh, you know, the loving romance of that old stadium and everything that it provides. But, you know, if we continue to win championships and uh, – company like Semex backing us up like there's got to be some changes and you got to reflect that with the stadium um don't care how you spin it and i just think that we got to do something about it and by we meaning Semex uh because the governor and all that stuff we sort of kind of expect it to, wow. it's going to happen so um in summary new stadium please yeah or if you do do a lot of renovations, like really invest heavy and you'd have to change a lot foundationally. Cause like you guys mentioned, like it's tight in those areas. Like you're like having to like sit like this and your knees are not, you know, you're almost better off standing. Yeah. Like and sometimes, you know, I realized that I was like, I, I, I truly acknowledge why those people behind me that were standing in that, in those sections were actually standing. Cause it was a lot more comfortable. And you know, you can't really drink anything, you know, they sell beer, water, sodas, and like, you can't have too many of them because if like, it's not worth going to the restroom. So I, I was very, very, very uh, discontent about that. Yeah. That might be the worst stadium restroom experience. Like probably on this side of the world, honestly, it's, it's bad. It's really, <laughs> really bad. Yeah. And the concourse is like non-existent, you know, like, if you go in line to the bathroom, because I experienced this at the final in May, like you're going to be there the entire halftime. And yeah. then it's like you you have to go 20 feet and it's going to take you five minutes because you're just like kind of waddling, like scooting up an inch every 30 seconds because of how congested it is because they didn't make the concourses wide enough. So, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, we'll be there. We'll support and oh, yeah. we're going to root another championship. Any final thoughts, fellas, before we go? Uh, how many cellos did you have at the game? Dude, I only had two. <laughs> did you drive? Is that what happened? No, we got driven there. And no, okay. it, 
it was the restroom. Like yeah. I went once and I was like, that's the last time I'm going. I was like, <laughs> how the uh, how'd your wife like it? Um, she loved we were sitting next to the Libres y Locos, so she loved it. Um, I think that, you know, I, I all the hype that I've been, you know, speaking about Tigres over the last few years since I've been married to her, uh, finally came to fruition and uh, you know, she knew that I was not playing around and so you know we, she kind of got the little exposure when we went to the leaks cup and like how we traveled and but it was nothing in comparison to like seeing that stadium packed out so uh you know even the traffic jam the amount of shirts like i would point out every shirt like i was like yo it's like tuesday or it's like oh no i went on a yeah i went on thursday through monday i was like yo it's thursday it's friday it's sunday it's monday like look at all these jerseys like you know being in the states you don't see that many jerseys consistently unless it's like a game you know so i think she understood all the passion that like it wasn't hype like i was really meaningful when i was you know hyped them up okay my last thing our thoughts at least recorded i know we've talked about it in the group thread about the leak of the third kit in january the the houston dynamo looking volcan third jersey that we're gonna have uh in a month (laughs) I'll let you go, Edgar. Makes me sad. I'm a little disappointed with it. Like, I do appreciate that, you know, we're trying to get original third kits and straying away from the traditional or what's normal or what for a very long time felt like copy and paste from Adidas. Uh, Change this, change that. Uh, So they did try their hand at something original. It honestly feels like a goalkeeper kit. It's not the worst thing, but I'm not, you know, or maybe we're just really fortunate with the last five or six releases. It was real quick to swipe the credit card day of launch. But now I'm not so excited about it. Yeah, I don't really like it that much. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna get it just because it's black. Uh it's different. Uh, but I did tell myself, uh, especially now that I was able to go to Monterrey and I came back with a new jacket, a new bandana, a new uh scarf, and I am not going to be spending like I have been spending the last eight years or so on all three jerseys. So I'm going to be very selective about the jerseys that I buy going forward. Fair enough. Yeah. That's scarf. Is that the new one? The black one that's behind you? It looks yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. I reshuffled my uh, wall back there. Nice. Very nice. nice. So thank you fellas. Uh, obviously it had been a while. Thank you for uh, taking the time and uh, hopefully we can be more consistent finishing out the season. It'd be great to uh, record into another championship, but nonetheless, again, thank you. And thank you guys for listening to us. Um, we hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Make sure you guys give us a follow Edgar at double L nation. Is that correct? On Twitter slash correct. And then Dennis, yours is a little bit more complicated. I might not know it. Yeah, I got you. Uh, my personal uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, at Dennis Gartman Jr. And then my pod Instagram at Dennis Friends Pod. And you can find me at la u la underscore u underscore times. So be sure to give us a follow and some feedback. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Peace.